Hello and welcome to another edition of Lights, Camera, Sports. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. Welcome for another exciting podcast as today we bring on Lewis Hinnon, former point guard, Boston College Eagles from 2002 to 2006. Also, now his third year as assistant coach for UMass Lowell men's basketball. Lewis, uh, welcome to Lights, Camera, Sports, the podcast. Thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, I'm excited to be on. I know you've had a couple of my former teammates on here, so uh, looking to make the show a little bit more exciting than those guys. There you go. Now, do they still <laughs> call you Bird now in UMass Lowell up there? Um, a couple people still do. Coach Duquette's trying to break the habit of calling me Bird uh, cause just because he doesn't want the players calling me Bird. I'm trying to break the habit of uh, hearing Bird. Uh, I, I, I got a hard time responding to Lewis just because no one, not my parents and not my friends, um, calls me Lewis. So um, it's kind of an adjustment for me as well. But, um, you know, the players, they've, they've found it out through social media and stuff like that. So they'll, tr- they'll try to drop a coach bird in there every now and then. But I make sure to nip that in the bud when I have to. <laughs> now take us back. Uh, we're with Bird, Lewis Hinnant right now. Take us back. How did you get that nickname? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's uh, kind of like a family thing. Weird names. Um, my, my grandfather's nickname is Birdhead, and um, my dad's nickname is Tweet. So like Tweety Bird. Um, so that's kind of how I got the name. It was given to me from birth. Uh, I had nothing to do with it. Everybody thinks it has something to do with Larry Bird. Some people think it has something to do with the, you know, the fact that I could jump a little bit. Has nothing to do with it. Some people say because I was skinny and had a bird chest. Um, but. You know, it had nothing to do with any of that. It's just a family name, and it just kind of been passed down. I remember in my first couple of days of working with you and manager, everyone was calling you Bird. I, I, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, what's the deal here? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, that's, that was a great nickname, and uh, that carried with you all through uh, Boston College years. All right, well, let, let's backtrack now, uh, Lewis. Wh- wh- you grew up, obviously, in Maryland. Did you always enjoy playing basketball? Yeah, I've, I've all, well, I've always enjoyed playing sports. Uh you know, I just wanted to do uh, some of the similar things that my older brother did. He was huge with basketball and football, um, so that's what I wanted to do. Football is actually my favorite sport, but, um, like, I always just enjoy competing and, and stuff like that. It just so happened that I was uh, grew a little bit. I was six three, six four, lanky guy. Football wasn't going to cut it, you know, running across the middle and things like that. Um, so my high school coach uh, had a nice conversation with my mom. said, hey, basketball the route that he needs to go and we've done that and then it kind of just took over from there but I've always had a passion just to compete and play any sport um but you know I think the gifts and the tools that I had were more um conducive to being a successful basketball player than anything else and that's interesting do you still prefer like football to this day over basketball yeah I I, I mean I feel like if, if there's if it's a Sunday and a choice between a, a Sunday game a Sunday football game or there's like an NBA on NBC game one. I'm definitely choosing the football game. Well, um, I know that sounds weird, but, um, uh, you know, it, it was a couple guys on our team that was like that as well. People don't know, but Jared Dudley's exactly like that. Tyrese Rice is actually a huge football fan as well. Um, so, you know, a lot of us, like, will play football. Even in video games where we compete, like, we'd always play football like John Madden more than we play NBA 2K um, back in those days. So there's a few guys on our team that really enjoy playing football. And let, let's take it now to high school, and you talk about Boston College. How did they get involved recruiting you? Just give us the timeline, the Eagle fans, of how that step-by-step process happened and how you were recruiting uh, to BC. Uh, what coach reached out to you first? 
Um, it, I wouldn't say it was really a step-by-step process. It happened really fast. Um, I, the first coach that I heard from was Coach Cohen. Um, he just reached out to me, and I think it was um, because of uh, I had played really well at a tournament called the Charlie Weber Tournament. They don't have it anymore. They used to have it every year at um, the University of Maryland and uh, also at Villanova University. Um, and I did really well at one of the tournaments. Um, if I remember, I had like a huge game against like Jared Jack, J.J. Reddick. Um, at the time, John Gilchrist was on that team. They played for a team called Boo Williams, who was uh, a pretty famous uh, team. And Allen Iverson came up out of that program and stuff like that. And I had a really big game. Um, and then shortly thereafter, I knew I had got a big write-up um, based on that tournament from some of the scouts and stuff who are, you know, highly respected as far as uh, scouting high school basketball. And um, shortly thereafter, I was hearing from, you know, a higher level of schools. At the time, I was hearing from my local schools like um, George Mason, George Washington, um, Old Dominion, Richmond, like schools that were close to my area um, from Maryland. And then, you know, then schools like Boston College and um, Miami and some of those schools started to reach out. And um, from that point on, you know, I feel like a week later I was on visits and, you know, everything just started happening fast for myself. And, um, you know, for, for a kid who, you know, getting to, you know, places like going to Villanova, um, which was, you know, Philadelphia and the New Jersey area, I hadn't been much further than that at that time. So uh, all that stuff was kind of new to me and it was happening fast. And next thing I know, I was on my first flight to Boston and, you know, I'm, I'm on my recruiting visit. I'm meeting Troy Bell, a guy who I'm seeing on TV and things like that. And, um, you know, it, like I said, it was all kind of surreal and it happened really fast for me. So had you ever heard of Boston College growing up? You watch them at all, or just TV? What was your impressions of the school like before you went there? You know what I'm saying? Well, I knew that they were just coming right off the worst to first campaign. So I knew that was a big thing. And, um... I was able to, you know, just kind of watch that season um, unfold and things like that. And then, um, like I said, my brother was a huge basketball fan, so he actually knew much more about the program than than I did. Um, I kind of knew who Al Skinner was, and and the only reason I knew that was because I was a huge Lamar Odom fan. So um, growing up, and I would, like, watch all Rhode Island games on the weekends. They would come on, like, some special, like, almost like, Comcast Sportsnet or something like that um, in our area, and I would always watch Rhode Island, so I kind of knew who Al Skinner was based on that, and um, you know, guys like Tyson Wheeler, Katina Mobley, like, that was like my favorite team growing up, and um, that's how I knew who he was, so that was big for me too, like, oh, I know who he is, I get a chance to meet him, and then like I said, knowing guys like Troy Bell um, and things like that, shortly thereafter, um, you know, at the time, I don't know if you remember this, but this was like recently with Kenny Walls and uh, Jason Williams from Duke had got into it yes. um, uh, really, really good on TV, and he pushed him into the, the scores table or something like that. So I kind of knew who Boston College was and what I was getting myself into and the type of toughness that they played with and stuff like that. And I just, you know, it was something that along with the academics, and that's what, that's all I was hearing from my parents and my high school coach back home was, you know, academically they're, you know, much better schooled than some of the schools that are recruiting you. And um, that's probably the one you should take a look at, you know, outside of basketball. And, you know, my mom doesn't know much about basketball and things like that. She was just kind of focused on the academics. She wasn't thinking about playing time and stuff like that. She was saying you need to go somewhere where you can get a degree and do something with it afterwards. 
and um, that's that's the route that we decided to go. And then, what were your impressions of Coach Skinner when you first met him? What's your whole What was your whole take uh, of him and those first couple practices freshman year? Well, I mean, you know, it's a little different now than I think it was back in the day. I think, like I said, I do a little bit about the thing who Coach Skinner was as far as watching on TV. Um, but I think nowadays with social media and things like that, guys are pretty in tune with what's going on. I was more so coming in pretty quiet, trying to soak up as much information as I can. Um, you know, being a young 17-year-old on his first visit, you know, I had a few questions, but I didn't want to, you know, overdo it or overstep my boundaries, uh, so to speak. And um, I was more just quiet on my visit. If you ask, uh, you know, Coach Duquette and Coach Skinner, Coach Cohen, and some of those guys, the running joke is always, Lewis came on his visit, he didn't say much of anything. He ate a bunch of food, and then on the last day he said, I'm coming. And that's, <laughs> they, they, they say that's, that's pretty much how my visit goes. They weren't sure if I was coming or not because I didn't, I didn't talk a whole lot. But like I said, that was my first flight. It was, like, really my first time being out, outside of the Maryland, D.C. area for – you know, an extended period of time. And um, like I said, I was just kind of taking it all in the college life, you know, meeting my teammates and things like that, um, well, my future teammates. And um, Coach Skinner was great. Um, cracked a few jokes, but as you know, Coach Skinner is pretty laid back. Um, in the recruiting process, you know, he's not going to, you know, he's not the schmooze guy. He's going to give it to you like it is, and uh, you can take it or leave it pretty much. And by take it or leave it, I really mean you can take it or leave it, and he won't. It isn't going to affect this day either way. So um, he he was great. And like I said, I spent a lot of time with guys like Coach Cooley, um, Coach Bonzi, who was also from the D.C. area. So that kind of helped as well because he, he knew the kind of jokes to crack with me and, and things like that and what, what um, I'd respond to. And then, like I said, over the, just over the course of time throughout the visit and throughout my um, career at Boston College, I just got really close with Coach Cohen and Coach Duquette as well. And um, you know, still talk to all of those guys uh, to this day. Is, was there a moment on the trip that solidified that you're like, all right, I'm going to commit this weekend? Was there a special moment or was it just a, uh, a buildup of things? So I think what really helped was um, at the time, Craig Smith was at Worcester Academy. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, Boston College was playing Notre Dame in football. So um, first of all, that was huge for me because, you know, at the time I was a huge Notre Dame fan. And football, because it was a team that came on every week um, and stuff like that growing up, gold helmets and stuff like that. So I was excited to go to the game. Um, Craig came up. I didn't know him, but Craig came up, and he had um, Stevie Haley with him. He had Jerry Jack with him. Now, Jerry Jack, who's in the NBA now, obviously, um, I know Jerry from home. Like, we grew up, you know, as youngsters playing against each other and stuff like that. So that kind of helped um, – you know, kind of ease the, the recruiting thing, uh, the visit as well, because, again, it's kind of you're trying to have fun, but it's also business-like. You're meeting with deans and um, the mission staff and things like that. So it's kind of, you know, it's, it's fun, but it's also business-like. And I think with those guys coming up, they were kind of able to ease it, ease the process for me. Um, again, having Jared Jack there, who was somebody from my hometown who could understand, you know, how cold it was out there at the time for us and um Craig was coming from LA he had some of the same sentiments of how cold it was at the time um and then like I said just meeting those guys and hanging out um with those guys and Craig and I were keeping in contact throughout the whole process and lo and behold we been went on to become roommates for the next four years um and stuff like that so I think that kind of helped me in seeing 
those guys and knowing that, you know, I had a guy who was coming up, even though it wasn't his visit, who was going to be there with me. And he just, like I said, just hanging out with them, that kind of helped ease the process and feel a little bit more comfortable going forward about um, further my basketball career at uh, Boston College. Gotcha. Now you came in freshman year. I believe you started in your career 122 out of 126 games. So you came mm-hmm. right off the bat freshman year ready to go. Yep. Um, came with a ceiling. It all kind of happened. It's funny. Uh, I got a funny story, but a pretty interesting story. And I'm not actually sure how it all shook out, or but I'll tell you anyway. Um, so we're playing like pickup in in the in the uh, you know fall time long before the season starts and stuff like that. Um, you know, school year is just starting. Uh, and then um. School year's just starting, and, you know, I'm talking to Troy Bell about, you know, what I need to work on, stuff like that. Because, I mean, if, if anybody knows Troy Bell, they know how talented, how good he was. And, you know, if you're going to listen to anybody at, at Boston College, as far as basketball is concerned in those days, especially me as a young point guard, I'm, I'm, I was always in Troy's ear. I'm hanging around. He's going to the dining hall. I'm going to the dining hall. Like, you know, I'm just trying to hear – what, what he's got to say, any, any advice he had for me. And he was like, look, just keep doing what you're doing, get stronger, stuff like that. You'll be starting by the fourth, fifth game of the season. Now, mind you, this is in late August, early September. I'm like, okay, like, just, I don't know if you really know what he's talking about, but all right, I'm I'm going to feed into it. Um, but, you know, I, I tried to do what I could, um, and I had a lot of rough days, you know, going in before I ever started a game because – I'm I'm always on the opposite team of Troy in practice. You know, every single day, like I got to go against this dude every day. He's a senior. He knows all the counters, all you know how to react to each and everything. And I'm out there thinking about how to stop him, and yeah. I couldn't. You know, for the first month or two of my you know being in college, a little it, different it was, it was than high school, <laughs> a whole lot different from high school. So I don't know if you remember this fourth game of the season. Uh, Uka Agbai breaks his neck. Yes. Um, he broke his neck at Holy Cross, and, you know, no one had, you know, we knew that was going to be a big loss for us. At the time, Craig nor myself had started a game. Um, and, you know, we were roommates. We were talking like, man, we just lost Yuka for the season. Like, I don't, you know, how it was going to happen. You know, Craig was always just super confident. And I don't know if it was real confidence or if it was fake confidence, but he was always super confident. And he just like, well, well, we just got to be killing it. Like, you know, we just going to be killing it. And I'm like, all right, well, all right, Craig. So we're not sure. <laughs> then we come to the next game. No one tells us, like, you know, what's going on and what, what adjustments we're making with Yuka going down. Um, we just show up to the game and we see both of our names on um, on the board is like guarding the starter on the other team. So I see like a LH next to, I forget who it was, there's LH next to him. And I'm thinking, well, that guy means that the guy's left-handed. It can't mean that I'm Lewis Hennick is starting. Like, you can win down, <laughs> he's a power forward. Craig's got to be stepping in. But, no, that wasn't the case. They ended up switching out um, one of the wings as well. And Craig and I both started the same game and went on to start, you know, for the rest of our career. And it was just a, I always look at it like, I wonder if Troy went in there and said, hey, I want to play with this guy. And if that's why the change was made or was it just a coincidence? Because, like I said, he had told me this long months before it ever happened. By fourth, fifth game, you're going to be in there. I was like, all right, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to do everything you tell me to do. 
and and that's how it kind of shook out. That's a good story. Did you ever ask Troy if he did go talk to Coach Skinner and make that change? Nope. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. He... <laughs> nope. I just made sure I fed him the ball every time he looked like he was open. Make sure he got the ball. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good story. So you averaged 29 minutes a game uh, in your career. Uh, 5.8 points a game, two rebounds, nine assists. Pretty good totals that year. Talk about, I mean, that whole career. Talk about then going transitioning to your sophomore year. Troy's now left. You're you're sort of emerging now. It sounds weird as a sophomore, but as a leader of the team. Yep, it was it was definitely an adjustment. Um, and a lot, again, a lot of the stuff was happening fast. I knew the kind of team that we had, and I knew what Troy meant to our team. But not only Troy, you know, we lost Ryan Sidney that year. Um. Uh, I think we lost Andrew Bryant that year, um, who were all, you know, big factors in our team. And a lot of us were going to have to grow up pretty fast. And um, that's when we were able to get guys in, Jared Dudley, um, uh, Sean Marshall, and, you know, the rest of that class. Uh, and we were, we were a pretty young team, starting myself, Craig, um, Sean, Jared, and Yuka, who was able to get the year back because he broke his neck. So that's two freshmen, two sophomores, and a senior, um, which was a pretty young team. And at that point, you know, I was just trying to be a leader and kind of help the guys out and do as much as I can. And it was a lot. Um, but, you know, the way the makeup of our team, and I think everybody was kind of knew that we had some pieces, but we couldn't do it alone. And I thought, you know, at that point, we started to really build chemistry and uh, become a really close unit. And I think, you know, usually the you can envision how tight we were by what's happening now. And um, all of us are still, like, very close in contact. Um, I, I've, a week doesn't go – usually doesn't go by where I don't interact with those guys, um, with each of those guys at some point. I talked to Tyrese yesterday. I talked to Dudley the day before that. I talked to Craig last week. I talked to Sean on Facebook. Um, last week. So, you know, that's just, you know, the type of unit that we were and that we still remain to be because that's we built that on the basketball court and in the locker room and things like that. And that's pretty impressive now, you know, 10 years later. I bet not many teams have that closeness still, you know, that much time has passed since graduation. Exactly. And, and you know, I'm not sure if it wins you games or not, but I do know not being a cohesive unit will lose you games. And, um, you know, just like I said, with myself and I know a lot of people like to say I was unselfish and things like that, but I think we had an unselfish team. And I think a lot of people sacrificed their games um, for the better of the team and just to try to win ball games. And I think the coaches sacrificed um, some things as well. Um, and I think, you know, during those years, all those sacrifices were, you know, led a lot of guys to depart as the winningest players in, in the era. And um, it started, like I said, with Craig and myself. When we left, we were the winningest players. And then Jared Dudley and Sean and those guys came behind and they were the winningest players. And, you know, like I said, just by everyone continuing to sacrifice and understanding, you know, what we were and what we could be as a unit, I think that's why we had some of the successful seasons that we had. Yeah, it's you're right. It's that domino effect. You keep winning, winning, winning. It, it all adds up. Let's just t- go right to your senior year now, Lewis. That, that was the big mm-hmm. year it merged. Obviously, a big games in the regular season against Duke. I want to focus on the ACC tournament, though, where you had mm-hmm. a big, big tournament. Uh, 20 points in the ACC final, all-tourney second team. Just talk about that down the stretch that year, 
your thoughts, and then uh, obviously that tough loss to Duke, uh, but uh, right down the edge where you had a heck of a game. Yep. Yeah, I felt like, you know, just as the season, that, that season was like, it was a weird season emotionally um, for myself, and I think some of the older guys who kind of had a better understanding of what was going on around us um, about, like, you know, you're departing the Big East, you're going into the ACC, um, you don't really have that that sense of belonging or like you're entitled to something because the Big East was kind of, they were ready to get rid of us. Like they were no longer happy to have us um, because we were departing. And then the ACC, we were the newcomers. So it was like, you know, the the reaction that you were more getting from the ACC crowd and fans were, yeah, they've done good in the Big East, but this is a whole different level of, of, of athleticism, athleticism and basketball. And, we were saying, no, it's not. Like, the Big East is way more physical. It's this, that, the third. And, you know, we're going to compete in this league the same way that we competed in the last league. And we were out to prove that. But it was just that sense that it's, it's us against no one until, like, someone feels like we we belong to them. And I know the ACC didn't always, you know, that first year they didn't feel that way. And, like I said, the Big East was ready for us to be out of there. Yeah, and, and, and um, looking back on it, which league was tougher to play in, especially as, as a guard? Was there which? Did you have a preference? What league, Biggies versus ACC? Um, I mean, it's hard for me. You know, I probably I'm probably a little biased because I played three years in the Big East and then one in ACC. But um, I, I mean, I you know, I feel like there was there were some grinds in the Big East. You know, a lot of more physical. It may have been a more slower game, but um, it was it was physical, and you knew that you uh, had to come to play and be ready to play. Um, and ACC, they got up and down a little bit more often. And, um, you know, it was, it was actually more fun to, you know, just run up and down and see some of the things that you see a lot more athleticism than you would in the Big East. But I think they both had their, their, um, pros and cons. And, um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it was a tie. I can't go either way. <laughs> um, I enjoy playing in both. Um, but, you know, like I said, I enjoy playing playing in both of them. I think you know some of my best games were in ACC, um, but you know we we built what we were you know through those tough matchups in the in the Big East. So um, you know that's that's what I think about that. And you know I think running the flex in the ACC pr- provided a little bit of a uh, a different uh, approach that other teams weren't used to coming from the yep. Big East. I think so, uh, and I think you know we had heard it a lot, we read it a lot, and. Um, in a positive way, in a good way, Coach Kenner is so stubborn that he wasn't changing. Like, we had heard so much about how we got to change and that's not going to work in the Big East. And his approach was like, well, watch me. Watch me do what I've been doing. And, um, you know, feeling like he's built something and established a system and a program that he could sustain and that it would, it, we could go anywhere and play it. Um, it doesn't matter where it is. Um, and you guys are going to have to adjust what we're, to, to the way that we play and we're not going to adjust to the way that, you know, you, your style of play. And that's all that we did. We continued to try to play a tough brand of basketball. Um, I think when we first got to the ACC, a lot of that stuff was called fouls. Um, so we, we were, like, you know, shaky at the beginning, right around 500, 2-2, two and 3-3, two, three and three, something like that. And then I think um, as the season progressed, we really started to make the adjustments and um, understanding the way that we needed to play. And, and you can just kind of see we started to really hit our stride as we got closer to the um, – ACC tournament. Yeah, we finished eleven and five that year in the ACC season. So you're right, that puts the tournament. What do you remember specifically about that championship game? I always remember that dunk you had uh, down the mm-hmm. stretch, and also that altercation with uh, Greg Paulus. It was <laughs> give us the uh, inside look of what that during those that, that timeline. 
Well, you know, it was it was um, a chippy game. You know, like I said, this and with the Kenny Walls and Jason Williams thing, Boston College and Duke has history. Um, so, you know, it was a chippy game, and we knew like you know we're supposed to be the blue collar guys and. I'm not saying anything that no one else doesn't feel across the nation. Like you've seen the 30 for 30s and how Jalen Rose and Michigan felt about um, the Duke players. And we felt the same way. Like, you know, some of these guys who are McDonald's All-Americans and things like that, they're not better than us. They're not better than me. So I'm going out there to prove it. With the with the Paulist thing, um, I don't know if you got a chance to see the whole play, but it was, um, I remember we were coming up on the TV timeout. He was able to save a pass and he threw it off my leg. Boom, ball goes out of bounds, buzzer goes off, TV timeout. I'm heading to our bench, and, you know, he's excited about the play that he made, so he did like a fist pump, which ended up hitting me on the chin, like in my face. Um, at the, like, I wasn't focused on him, so I didn't know if he, like, shoved me or he did it intentionally. I had no idea that he was just fist pumping and accidentally hit me in the face. At that time... I'm thinking, um, hey, it's Duke, and I don't really care how it happened, but um, like it, something's got to happen. So that ended up happening, and I think that really got our our fans into it. Um, and surprisingly, it got North Carolina's fans into it really heavy, and they were started to root for us. Um, and then we kind of had some backing. And if you remember the tape, I can remember it. Like my mom was crying; they got her on tape crying and everything and you know it was it was an extraordinary game and what i remember most from that everyone talked about the dump or they talked about the fight i remember one miscommunication that we had and jj reddick buried a three and that kind of buried the game and it was it was a small half second miscommunication but when you a player like himself who's what this is year 11 form in the nba or something you make that half a second mistake and he made us pay for it and i think that cost us the game yeah, that was a back-and-forth game. You're right. He really emerged mm-hmm. down the stretch and, and got it. And then, mm-hmm. of course, he had a four-seed that year and went pretty far. Hate to bring up the, the Villanova game, but that was a heck of a game and just a tough break in the Sweet 16 down the stretch. I, I started thinking about it this time of year when we have the March Madness games. Do you still think about that game a lot? Uh, I think about it all the time. I've only watched it uh, over the past year because Coach Duquette, who I work for now, he made me watch it. But I, I've never actually watched that game again. Why, do, why until, did he make you watch it? Uh, just because he wanted to watch it. He was like, you know, we were talking about it, and I was like, you know, I haven't watched it. He was like, ah, oh, let's pull it up now. Oh. I was like, like, come on, man, I don't, I don't want to watch the game. But it was a great game. Um, I definitely felt like, you know, we definitely put ourselves in a great position to win the game. But, you know, things went other way on the last second. Not last second shot, you know, because we had a, a chance to answer back on the other end. But the miscommunication um, under the basket on the last second shot. And um, those guys were able to go on to the uh, Elite Eight, and, and, and we weren't. Um, you know, which, you know, to this day, we it's kind of taboo. Like, we don't even speak about it um, when I speak to those guys. Um, I think I heard somebody else's podcast maybe Dudley who said he didn't he hasn't watched it since then either so um yeah it's it's still pretty tough and you know I've you know my own personal career I know Jared's done you know done a lot of big things Craig Tyrese all those guys John Oates who's um was up for Emmy or something like everyone's doing pretty pretty good things and for myself I've gone on to win I played overseas for eight years I've gone on to win two championships but I can't relive I can't go back and relive that moment because I feel like, you know, outside of probably not winning the state championship, that moment probably haunts me the most. And 
Like I haven't watched my state championship game, uh, and I haven't watched this other than the one time I've watched it with Coach Duke. So that that thing, something about that game will replay every day in my head. You know, as one moment, you know, it's always a different moment every day. Um, but you know, it is what it is. You gotta gotta live and move on. Yeah, no question about it. And you did move on. You talked about playing professionally overseas. Tell me if I got this right. Germany, uh, Poland, Ukraine, Hungary, Finland, and Sweden were all the countries that you did in your European tour. Yes. Talk, just talk about in general, what was it like playing overseas, you know, the typical day, and did you enjoy your experience uh, playing professionally overseas? Um, I definitely enjoyed my experience. Um, you know, I was able to meet a lot of people and um, engulf myself in a lot of different cultures and, you know, learn a lot of different basketballs um, outside of the United, like obviously outside of the United States and the way that they view the game and see the game. And I think some of those ideas that I've learned from those guys, I'm able to present to the staff or to my players now today that may be a different perspective than what someone else is able to give them. And, um, you know, some of the stuff we use, some of it we don't. But, you know, I feel like I've I, I at least been able to expand my basketball knowledge and see what different worlds um, different parts of the world think about basketball and how they view the game and how they play the game. Um, you know, being over there, like I said, I enjoyed myself. I was able to win two championships. I was able to, um, you know, pretty much get up to a very high level of basketball and, like I said, play eight years and to do it professionally and to get paid for it. Um, you know, I, I can't really ask for much more than that. And then to be able to um, do that and spin that off and into a coaching career and working with young guys who, you know, I was once in their position and not too long ago in their position. Um, like I said, it, it's all been a positive and beneficial experience for me. Yeah, Sean Marshall talks about sometimes it's tough, you know, being homesick. He's got family back in the United States. Did you ever go through mm -hmm. that when you were playing overseas? All the time. I mean, that's just a part of it. Um, you know, I would go through that, say at Boston College, you know, being as though I was, like I said, it was my first time away from home and things like that. But, yeah, you definitely go through that. You know, the daily grind is you wake up, you eat, morning practice, you come back home, you eat, take a nap, evening practice, you come back home, you eat, you get a good night's sleep because you got morning practice again. And that's a job. And, you know, I know people think that, you know, you're going overseas and, you know, my mom and everybody would think the same thing. Well, you should go here, you should go there. I'm like, well, mom, I got two practice a day. Uh, you know, I got to make sure I eat between. I'm getting my lift in. I'm stretching. I'm so it's a full-time job of playing basketball, and if that's not something that you really love, um, then you'll get exposed, and you know you'll see, you know how hard it actually is, and you know while it is a fun game and it should be fun, there's a lot of work that goes into it, and um, you know people think it's just all fun and games, but um, it's very cutthroat. You know if you don't perform, you're out of there. Um, you know, and that's just that's just the, that's just the way it is. And like I said, I've enjoyed my experience. And, um, you know, I try to share those experiences with, with the people that I'm coaching now. Okay. And then you, after playing overseas, you decided to get in coaching. To describe how that mm -hmm. went and how did you get involved with Coach Duquette at uh, UMass mm -hmm. Lowell? Well, um, one of the things that, you know, I try to, like I said, I became really close with Coach Duquette, Coach Cohen, and those guys. And I've, I've always I've taken everything that they've ever told me, and whether I utilize them in my life or not, um, you know, that remains to be seen. But I, I at least try to – take heed to what they're saying. And that's something that I learned actually from Troy Bell was take everything in and take it with a salt and then, you know, you use it as you see fit. Um, and one thing that they told me about playing is don't be, don't still have the player in you when you're, you know, going into coaching. Like make sure you get that out of your system. 
So when Coach Duquette um, first got the job, he kind of reached out, hey, you know, I'm probably going to get this job. If so, do you have any interest? Not that he was going to give it to me or not, but, you know, if I had any interest. And I was like, you know, keeping all that kind of stuff in mind, I was saying, um, I'm not sure. Like, Coach, I just came off a big season. I think, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep going. Like, I'm going to keep going with this. I, I, I think I still got the player in me because I remember that, you know, that terminology that he um, – I was like, I'm still got the play. And then the next season came, and he asked again, and then I was like, well, I had a pretty good season still, and I was actually already signed for the next season to go to another team. Um, I knew that I would rather be two years – get out two like a year or two early than a year or two late um, because I know so many guys who want to get into the business and – you know, this is their passion and what they want to do next, and they can't get in. And um, because, you know, the jobs are few and far between, it's really hard to get. And um, I knew I couldn't pass that up a second time. So the second time around, I was like, cool, I'll, I'll be a year or two, two then a year or two late. And that's, that was when I decided to come here and learn as much as I can from Coach Duquette and the rest of the staff. And it's been a great experience for me so far. I actually enjoy doing this more than I do playing. So, um so, like I said, um, that's the way that it kind of all shook out, and it worked out perfectly for me. Really? I find that interesting at the end, what you just said at the end there. So you enjoy coaching more than you did playing overseas. Yep, I actually do because there's something, you know, when we're in here and I'm like, say a guy who can't shoot or, or whatever, we're, we're in here working on something, and we've been working on it and working on it and working on it, and then finally it comes to fruition in a game or it it, it – it, you see the confidence in that kid grow or they translate to a win or something like that. And just to see a kid, you know, when you first get them, you know, how how much they don't know, how immature they are, things like that. And you start, you can, they don't see it, but you can just see the, the, the maturation process kind of take its own course. Um, and, you know, that's very self-gratifying for myself. You know, especially when you know, like, I've been there putting in the work with him and I see he's, he's getting it, he's getting it, and now he's showing somebody else how to do it. That's actually more gratifying than, um, than I feel like as my playing days because, I, you know, even talking to the guys that's on my current team as a player, and I've talked to Tyrese Rice about this too, and I'm trying to get him, because he's still playing, to, to get, you know, to this point. When, when we win, and, you know, when I talk to Tyrese and he has a big game, or anybody, or myself, I have a big game, and we win, we play well, no, we look at that as like that should have happened. There's no celebration for it. There's no, I'm not happy. I'm not ecstatic over my game. Like that should happen. I'm not, you know, I, I get no no bonus points for that. But if you have a bad game or you lose, we're killing ourselves. We're, you know, it's almost like it's the end of the world, and we don't want to talk to anybody, and we go into a short moment of depression or anything like that where we don't enjoy the highs as much as we get on ourselves about the lows. And, um, you know, like I said, just dealing with these guys and trying to get them to understand that type of stuff and, um, is, 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 is big for me. And, you know, just to see them, you know, incorporate some of that stuff into their lives and um, their basketball games or whatever walk of life they choose to do here or after here um, has been, like I said, it's, it's very self-gratifying for myself. And um, it's just fun to watch those guys mature and get better. And Coach Duquette, in a quote, said he, you're as good as a leader as he's ever coached in basketball. So obviously you respect him, the head coach. That's great. Talk about how it's been different, your relationship between playing 
and then coaching with the coach Duquette and also Biko Paris, another BC grad. Yep, and I like you know Biko. We had similar styles. I started with Biko, then I moved on to coach. Um, Biko, we had similar styles, although we didn't play together. I, I, I was always watching those guys, and I can see what he was kind of thinking out there, um, and like how he was trying to set guys up and look for himself, you know, secondly and stuff like that. So I, I knew what kind of style he was playing, and then once we got here, it didn't take us but two or three days to like we were on the same page. Like that's my guy, you know. Um, because like with two peas in a pot, you know, and with Coach Duquette, it's still a bunch of the same stuff. I'm still learning every day. Um, still a lot of tutelage. Obviously, I'm three years into this. He's about 23 years into this. Um, so um, I'm just still learning every day from him. You know, the same way as it was when I was a player um, playing for him, um, and you know, just able to enforce those things on the things that he's teaching me onto our current players. Um, and, you know, the same way that he did when he was an assistant under Al Skinner. So it's all a family and it's all a, it's all cyclical. It's a cycle. And um, that's kind of what we want to continue to do. Um, and that's what I want to continue to do. I know that, like I said, when I came out of high school, I had so many things that I didn't know. And I learned that through those guys and they brought me around a cycle and now I'm working for them. And I want to do the same thing for those guys. I want to teach my current players how to, you know, what they don't know. And then, you know, hopefully if everything goes positive in my career, somebody can help me out and, or I can help someone else out and bring them back around and, you know, and then they can help the next guy. And, you know, that's how you build a family and that's how you build a cycle in a program. And I think that we've done that, you know, um, me being able to reach out to an Al Skinner, a coach Cooley, a coach Cohen, me being able to talk to Bonzi about little Bonzi Colson and Notre Dame, like, oh, that's huge. Um, you know, and um, like, like I'm very appreciative to all of those guys to be able to do that. And it seems like the future is bright to a UMass Lowell. Next year, you guys can qualify as you moved up to Division One. Now, next year is the first year you can actually qualify for the postseason. Uh, what's just the general outlook for the program next couple of years? Um, I think, you know, like everybody else, we just want to continue to get better, continue to um, bring in, you know, good, positive, high-character guys. And, um, you know, guys that are passionate about the game of basketball. And usually when you do that, the winning will take care of itself. Um, you don't focus on rankings or anything like that. If you look at Boston College and the teams that we had, not too many of us were on the, on the top rankers or anything like that. But you had a, a unit that was um, very passionate about basketball, um, a unit that was w- willing to work together, um, and who, whether it was true or not, we thought that we were a lot better than we were. And we we played that way and it didn't matter if Duke came or North Carolina came into the building, we still felt like we were the best team on the floor that night and that's what we're trying to build here and I think, you know, going forward um, you know, that's what we're going to continue to try to do and try to push this thing as far as we can and hopefully one day we'll be singing one shining moment with the rest of the guys. Yeah, there you go and uh, you know, just to wrap it up, Lewis, a great BC player, do you still follow BC from afar and what do you, what's your take? Obviously the program's down last couple of years, mm-hmm. what do you think they need to do to kind of get going and get back on top, back to your well, era? Already, I think they've already started the process. they got a lot, of, a lot of good talent there. They're just young right now. Same way when we started, like, you know, and when you're trying to, you know, rebuild a program, you got to start with talent and you're going to be pretty young. And, you know, one thing that you can't do, you can't rush age. You know, you can't make any of these guys older than they really are. And, um, like I said, with, with guys over there like Robinson – 
And uh, what's, Ty, what's my guy? I love the point guard with the red hair. That's uh, my Bowman. guy. I like him a lot. Yep, uh, Bowman, yeah. I like him a lot. Um, I like Turner a lot. I think, you know, those guys, they have a good um, – I like Chapman a lot. If they if they continue to build with each other and, um, you know, like I said, continue to be selfless, unselfish with each other and understand that winning is the most important thing, I think they're going to be fine. And um, they're definitely headed in the right direction. Coach Kristen and the rest of the staff, they're doing a great job. All right, well, Lewis, anything you want to say to the Eagle fans out there who are checking in? Yeah. Um, no, say that again. I'm sorry. Anything you last comment? Anything you want to say to the BC fans out there, uh, as you know, who who supported you during your time and uh, checking in with you now, back ten years later? Um, you know, they just we're still out here. You know, the team is still out here and they're doing. They're, everyone's doing well. Um, we still continue to converse and um, you know, the BC from afar, no matter how, uh, no matter what we're doing. I know Coach Duquette, Coach Biko. Um, myself, we're all here at UMass Lowell. Um, you have a couple other guys doing their own thing. But as the saying goes, um, we are BC. We will always be BC. We will always root for BC. And um, I know sooner or later, you know, those guys are going to get it completely turned around and be back in the tournament and be a program that everyone can brag about again. Well, hey, Lewis Hinnett, thanks so much for joining with us. It was so great. We went a little long there. It was such a good talk and uh Best of luck, UMass Low. I think we will see you guys on Selection Sunday in the next couple of years as well. All right. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. And uh, good luck with the podcast. And tell the next guy he's got a lot to live up to coming behind me. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, Lewis. Thanks, thanks. So again. Have a good one. All right. Well, special thanks again to Lewis Hinnett for joining us on the Lights, Camera, Sports Podcast. Great point guard from Boston College, 2002 to 2006 played overseas for many years and is now in his third year head coach at UMass Lowell. Really doing good things under head coach Pat Duquette, a former assistant under Al Skinner, and another fellow assistant, Biko Paris, who played with BC basketball as well. And thanks so much for tuning in to the Lights, Camera, Sports podcast. Remember to check us out, subscribe, and leave a review on iTunes. Also, you can see us on the BC Interruption website, a part of the SB, State, SB Nation uh, network as well and also if you want to advertise on lights camera sports send me an email at lights camera sports ads at gmail.com that's lights camera sports ads ads at gmail.com thanks so much for joining here us on the lights camera sports podcast we'll see you again next time this is mike galtieri signing off